Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at We were physically exhausted. We were emotionally yeah. wrung out. It's hard enough, I think, for actual nurses and aides to do this work for people they don't have an emotional connection to. But this being my mother, you know, I just kept thinking of it as my gift to her to do this yeah. for her. What you're about to hear is an unscripted session with a psychic medium. Fleur had no contact with the participants prior to this meeting. They were screened by me, Elizabeth, one of the producers of the podcast, in order to preserve the integrity of the psychic reading. Absolutely no information was given to Fleur before their psychic session. This is Moving Beyond the Podcast. My name is Fleur, and I am a teacher, the author of the book Moving Beyond, and I work as a psychic medium. I have done over 15,000 readings for people all over the world. I connect them to their loved ones on the other side. This podcast lets you be a fly on the wall in my office, to listen in, and to experience what a psychic medium session is for yourself. People see me for a variety of reasons. Some come looking for closure, others are looking for life direction, and other people come because they're not so sure about this whole thing, but they're pretty curious. Here you will find stories of tremendous loss, but also incredible love and healing. After each session, I have the joy of sitting down with my client again to discuss their experience and answer any of their questions around spiritual connection. I hope that some of the information that arises can help you too, no matter where you are in your journey through loss, growth, or curiosity about the things we can't always see. Hi, I'm Jillian, and I'm from the East Coast. And I'm hoping to get some clarity today from my mother who passed in 2020. And I had a lot of grief over losing my mother. And I'm just hoping that I can get some clear communication from her that might help me to let go a little more and move on. This morning, I'm preparing for my reading. And I've chosen a guided meditation this morning in order to get into the right headspace. Guided meditations are where someone leads you through the meditation. And often it allows, especially beginners, to really come into the moment. 
without having to think about what they're doing in meditation or be really trying to focus on counting or the breath. They simply listen to what is being directed. I have personally recorded many guided meditations and sometimes I like listening to my own. So that is what I did this morning and I'm feeling good and prepared. Hi, it's so nice to meet you, Jillian. Hi, Fleur. It's awesome to meet you. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, wonderful. Wonderful to have you. Have you ever had any kind of reading before any experience of this kind? I have, actually. Okay. Good experience, bad experience, somewhere in between? Usually kind of disappointing. Just people who aren't terribly essential or who don't get a lot or they get weird little broken things that they don't really know what they mean. And I sure don't know. And so I never had a truly satisfying reading. Got it. Never, never quite hit the nail where it needed to go. Good. Okay. Well, then we'll see and do our best today. See what comes through. Good luck. And uh, I'm sure the spirit will, will be willing to step in. It'll be interesting to see kind of actually who comes forward. So I do psychic readings, which means talks about your life. And we do mediumship readings, which is people on the other side. That's what, of course, we're going to be doing most of today. When I look for those in spirit, I feel that I am a radio dial and I'm trying to look for the right station. So I am looking, looking, searching, searching. And I find that each individual person has a slightly different vibration, slightly different station. And that's what I then hone on and into. Last couple of things here. Is there anything that you do not want to know, wouldn't want to hear about? Well, I guess I <laughs> I don't want to hear if I'm going to die really soon. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That's a very normal response. No worries. Okay. <laughs> good, good, good. All right. So we'll get started then. And, you know, just as, as something to make you feel uh, calm about it as we move forward here. The way I do always read always, regardless of what your answer is on that question, is that anything I receive, negative or positive, I ask that it only helps you move forward. So that it's not something that would get you stuck or create unnecessary anxiety. If it can't help you move forward and if it can't help you expand, then I just ask I don't receive it. So that'll also help to kind of hopefully give a little bit of grounding to that initial question. Okay. I, I do have people coming in. So my first impression, and she comes in here on my left, I, I want to say that I'm first connected here with your mom. You understand your mother's in spirit. Do you see this? Yes. And she comes in here on my left, and she is a no BS kind of lady. <laughs> like, yeah. and I actually, I'm shortening BS because it's a podcast, but I think she would have just used the full phrase, you know? Yes. And you see with your mom here that there's a lot of mental confusion in the in her brain prior to her passing. Do you see that? Yeah. Yes. Like I feel like Alzheimer's dementia. I'm really confused. Do you understand? Yes. Okay. Um, and you see during this period of time that you also get to spend time really sitting with her being there. Do you see this as well? Yes. Because I see you on her right hand side and she's showing me you holding her hand and it feels yes. like there's like really beautiful moments here, but you would have wondered, does she see me? Does she know that I'm here? Yes. You know, because it feels very much that the Alzheimer's is so advanced during this period of time that she also would confuse faces, confuse people. Do you see? Yeah, it wasn't Alzheimer's, but 
Okay. But you understand the severe mental confusion? Yes. Mm -hmm. She builds up a lot of pressure in her brain for me during this time. Yes. And it feels like there's also this feeling of major confusion coming from, um, like when you say it's not Alzheimer's, she, she shows me actually like fluid in the brain and this feeling of what she would have, I think, experienced as like real pressure in the brain is my mm-hmm. feeling, like real yes. pressure in the brain. Yes. And I think symptoms would have presented themselves in such a way where at first glance, I look at this and I think, oh, she, she, her memory is really, really off. Do, do you see that? Mm-hmm. Like my awareness of what's going on. And I just, I feel really yes. confused. I feel really, really confused. Yes. And I see you sitting here with her during that period of time. Now, I don't know if you would remember being primarily on her right-hand side, but she keeps placing you on her right-hand side. Yes, I was. Like she really needs you to know, I know you were sitting there. Yeah. And I feel that there is a period of time in which you refuse to move. Like almost like you're like, no, I'm sitting here. I'm going to stay here. Mm -hmm. And her wanting you to know, I heard you. I saw you. I felt you. I know that you were there. Now, I feel as well that there's a lot of confusion during this period of time around your mom's health and if there is or is not hope for her to recover. Do you see? It doesn't feel completely black and white at first. And then I feel the sense of we are preparing for her to go. But I feel that there's never a moment in which she comes back fully conscious or is that there's that there, she, she doesn't have a moment where she comes back fully conscious, able to have that conversation with you or able to discuss that with you. Do you, do you see this? It feels yeah. like she's in that confusion state. Yeah. She keeps bringing me to the brainstem, the brainstem, the brainstem. Okay. And at one point she must've also had a collapse. Like I feel the body collapse. I feel the body crum- crumble. Do you see this? Yeah. I, more or less. Like, I feel like I, 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 there's a, there's a feeling of, yes, there's this brain issue, so to speak. But prior to that, it feels like there's a sudden event and I, my body crumbles is the feeling I get. It crumbles. She's acknowledging. Wanting you to know, however, she's good and fine, of course, now. Right. Of course, of course. And there's deep gratitude for you being there. Deep Deep gratitude, deep gratitude. I want to not just talk about you, but the two of you. And there's a sense of waiting on a third. So um, when she's not well, do you see primarily there's the two kids or two people in and around her? Do you see? Mm-hmm. But then it feels like I've got a third person missing. Does that make yeah. sense? Yes, it does. Like, but also the recognition of couldn't, couldn't be there in the physical, you know, couldn't be there, couldn't be there in the physical, but it's okay because I've got my two is what she shows me. Yes. It's okay because I have my two. And, and yet, and again, there's this confusion. So she must've been calling out for the third or taught, or there's the sense of her being, the sense of her being confused about the third. I want to say during this time, not now, but during that time. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you would remember that. Do, do you see? That I wasn't aware of. It wasn't something she said, but it doesn't seem unlikely. I mean, it seems likely that she might have felt that way. Yeah. I want to place fuzzy socks or socks on your mom's feet as well during this time. 
Do you see this? I, I feel like this is important to her or you would have done. Yeah, I think so. I think I, I think I had fuzzy socks on her feet. I just don't remember it that well. That's okay. <laughs> but that's a real detail. <laughs> um, it feels important to her during the time and the way that she was uh, cared for. Do you know, like, I feel like it's really important yeah. for her to know that she was cared for well. She felt that. Yeah. Okay. Show me, show me. Well, because what it feels like to me is when she passes, I feel that you are very particular of how she is kind of laid to rest in, in the way that she's styled. Do you see this? No. There's like a, there's something particular about this that feels important for her to bring up. So I don't know, just leave No, I don't, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that means. Okay. No worries. Let me keep her. But, here. but uh, let me just say her arrangements for her remains were unusual. Okay. I just feel that when she passes, there's this sense of wanting to talk about her physical appearance and I get really down to earth and really like, yeah, like no fuss, but I also feel that she felt no fuss or that I was no fuss with her appearance. I feel, I feel uh, both like I just, the feeling of the body just feels like there's a sense of no fuss. I'm just going to see if she gives me a little bit more here to work with, but it feels like for her body, it was important that it, it's, this is kind of an odd thing that it, that there is a legacy aspect to this. Yes. And like science or yes, like I donated to science, do you know? Yes. Yes. You nailed uh, that. She it, donated her body to science. That is correct. And she's like, it's like no fuss. Like it doesn't matter what I look like, you know? Okay. I understand. She's really proud of that. And she makes me feel again, that sense of passion for your work and that this again, it feels very important for her and that the people who worked on her body had passion for their work. And this feels so important to her. That's very cool of her. It's interesting too, because as she brings this to my mind, I think she had decided this years before and not just when she was ill. Do you see Correct. that? Yes. Like I've known I was going to do this since I was, I don't know, like midlife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And had talked about it. Mm-hmm. You know? had spoken about it, had talked about it, everybody knew. Yes. And wanting to say in almost a public forum, it was worth it. And it's not a strange thing to do. Good. That's her view on it. She certainly isn't bothered by it in the spirit world that her body went on in that capacity. Yeah. And it's, and it's funny because I, I then know she presents herself to me in a sense of I've put on some red lipstick and um, putting on a cute outfit, but the sense of really wanting you to know the physical body truly no longer matters when the spirit mm-hmm. goes. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to career here for her because it's so important. Mm-hmm. And there's an education aspect to it as well. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. sense of like being a teacher, do you see? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why the legacy around the science feels important. She she taught all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. She did. And... I also feel in her lifetime, even in, as she grows older, she doesn't want to quit. Do you see this? Yes. And I would have kept teaching if I could, is the feeling. Right. Um, she also makes me feel that 
the students that she would have taught in life, the, the people that are around her in the teaching world, she follows them even after they've left the classroom. And she watches over many of them now. Mm-hmm. But it's a huge aspect of her identity, the teaching, you, you see. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that there is actually... Yeah, she talks about uh, landing as a teacher in areas sometimes or or uh, teaching in places where she doesn't get much acclaim. Do, do you see this? <laughs> yes. Like she feels like a lot of the work, very little of the credit. Do you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yet very proud of it. Mm-hmm. It's an odd thing also to say, but do you see that she would have been very particular about your penmanship? Penmanship? Yeah, I feel like I want to read your writing, and I'm seeing you write. Oh, my um, writing, not my penmanship. Okay. I'm a writer. You're a writer. Because um, she's just she's watching you write, and she's very into what you write and how you write. And I want to say I read every word. You know, and at first I thought she was really into your penmanship, but she's like you know, the, the, the feeling of you writing and really feeling like she helped shape the kinds of writing that you put into the world, the genre, just it just feels like she's so proud. So, so, so proud. She also shows that you're working on multiple projects, not just one thing. And I think you've actually seen quite some success with your writing, but she's, and she got to see that even in life is what she's showing me. Yeah. You know, got to see you published, got to see you out there kind of thing. You see? Yeah. And it's just so very proud. Um, I don't think you've, well, no. Mm-mm-mm. I think you'll pen something with her in mind. Mm-hmm. Because I feel parts of her story or she shows me parts of her story will be told through you. Mm-hmm. And she's honored. It's not drama around her because I think you guys had a good relationship. But I do feel in the telling of her story or in the life's telling of your story, there's someone that's got quite a lot of drama in it. Do, do you see this? It's um, not her. Well, hmm, I guess I would have to I'd have to be more specific, but maybe. Yeah. Okay. It just feels I mean, like a story you opt not to tell is how she Oh, goes. okay. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. It just feels like it feels like something that you had been struggling with. Do I tell the story? Do I not tell the story? And Correct. she's mm-hmm. giving me the sense of you can always tell it later if it needs to be told, if it's still mm-hmm. heavy on your heart. But I feel like the timing of not telling it is actually a wise choice on your behalf. Yeah. That's how she's offering that to you. Hmm. You see that, uh, you know, we talked about her having issues with her memory and the brain and all the rest of it. But she talks about actually being ill in two parts mm-hmm. and having recovered from something or, yeah. or gone into remission. And then it, and then there's a different thing that comes back. Do, do you see this? Yes. And cause it's, it's this, this feeling also of cancer in the body at one point, but the sense of I overcome it or I feel like we're yeah. on the right track. Yes. And wanting you not to feel that the battle was lost, but really feeling like, because I, I do think from the beginning of falling ill, so to speak, uh, she gets many more years is how she shows it to me. Many That's more right. years. Yes. Um, like I think I get a full extra decade, you know? Mm-hmm. And is so happy for this opportunity because she doesn't take anything for granted anymore after that. Mm-hmm. And just wants you to know what a blessing it was that first 
phase of illness because she could really enjoy you and uh, really tried, I think, to also um, bury the hatchet with other people in her life. Mm-hmm. Just feel really strong spirited and very quite vocal in yeah, just very, very much a spearheaded woman, pioneering in some capacity, I think. Yes. And I want to come back to the sense of not getting any credit. I just feel like there's something she does that she doesn't get the credit she deserves. I don't know. That's her feeling on it. Because I do feel quite pioneering and I do feel like there's forces of nature around her. Okay. Let's pause there and ask her some questions. I feel like we've got some other people stepping in too, but she certainly is front and center for me. One question that's been really kind of perplexing me is when she was dying, like you talked about her being confused and, and that's true. And is, is it okay for me to say what she was dying of at this point? Uh, Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. So it was brain tumors that were from the cancer. It had spread to her brain. So that's what the pressure in her head was. And, and the confusion, it was all caused by these brain tumors. And at one point, you know, there were times when it, I wasn't sure if the things she was saying came from the brain tumor confusion, you know, because it was on the frontal lobe, or whether there was maybe something else going on that had to do with her kind of getting ready to cross. And at one point, she asked, who in this room is named Eric? And there was no one in the room named Eric. And we only knew two Eric's one living and one in spirit. And we asked her if she meant one of those Eric's, you know, one at a time. Is it this Eric? Is it that Eric? And she couldn't answer. She just seemed too confused. And so (laughs) I'm wondering if that was just brain tumor confusion, projecting someone in the room that wasn't there, like she was just imagining this person or thinking about them, or if in fact, the Eric who's in spirit was actually kind of coming to, to encourage her to let go and, and come to the other side. I don't know. It's well, yeah, it does look like she had one foot in this world and one foot in the other world for quite some time, mm-hmm. I would say. Especially she shows me about a week and a half towards the end of her life where I feel really in between two worlds. Yes, that that's pretty darn accurate, yes. And it's during that time that she sees both. So I would say, yes, Eric is part of that. Mm-hmm. and having a hard time communicating exactly what she's saying. And I think when asked that question, it brings her back into the physical world. And then there's the confusion of what was seen prior. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm wanting to say, however, that yes, there were a number of visitations uh, that she had with people. Mm-hmm. Hmm, it's kind of a funny thing to say. Eric wasn't nearly as old as her when he passed. Do you see that? Yeah, when he passed. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a funny thing for her to say, but she just wants to say when she crossed over, she and Eric went dancing. I don't know what that means, but. (laughs) Huh. They went dancing. But I feel he's he's kind of, he shows up as middle-aged here beside, like he doesn't just, he doesn't look as old as her when he crosses. Right. And a huge grin on his face and quite quite a gentleman and she really does adore him is my feeling and he, he he feels at the time that he'd been passed for let's say almost 20 years or long long time do you see that yeah. yes and so she's eager to see him again hadn't seen him in a long time but I do 
I do feel that the two worlds were merging for her. Mm -hmm. Your mom was also acknowledging your father to be in the world at that time, you see? Yes. And there's a sense of, we had our ups and downs, but he's a very good man, is the feeling I get. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was going to be my other question, whether she has anything to say to him. She thinks of him as a real stand-up man. Mm -hmm. And I would say she makes me feel that she really actually, in times of her life, kind of tried to push him away. Mm. And she sees her own part of that dynamic now much more clearly. Mm. Um, I think in life she was a bit quick maybe to criticize him or you think you'd often hear that. Do, do, do you see this? Yes. And now she's seeing that he's actually a good, good man. And she really does want him to know that. She's a bit sh uh, sharper, I would say, or more intense than your dad. Do you see this? Yes. <laughs> so she's like, I could bulldoze that man. And she sees that now. Mm -hmm. You know, she kind of sees her part to play in it. Whereas I think in life she would just very easily criticize. But stand up man, you know, she's really looking at him going, wow, what a... What good man. Yeah, that's true. And really grateful for his presence in, in her life. Very, very grateful. Does she, ha does she have anything to say for him about him now? Like anything to offer him right now in his grief? Well, his grief actually feels twofold. Um, is he also grieving someone else? It's not just her. There's somebody else that's really, there's a lot of, there's, there's like deep pain there, I would say, actually. She is showing me him like an act of grief. There's a great deal of sorrow there. Let me see. Your father's very organized. Do you see this? Mm-hmm. Very tidy, very organized. Very, things are very systematic. Usually, him. yeah. And he thrives in that is what she shows me. So it feels like if it's, not, you know, his mental head space is not, is not good. Yeah. And that he needs extra attention when things are in disarray. And that might be something you're seeing now, but it feels, it feels important as a sign that he is actually not as good as he might say he is. Right. I also think he might need a little bit more company around him than he says he needs. Like I see him saying, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm good on my own. You know, that um, he needs voices in the house. Yeah, that's true. Because, you know, she's the she's the one who brings the party. <laughs> yes. Oh, he doesn't have any parties anymore. She's like, he needs voices in the house. There needs to be life in the house. Right. But it, she also knows you are absolutely doing your best. There's also a young man in the world. Do you see a young man, the generation underneath you? Generation underneath me. So would this be, are you talking about my mom's grandchildren? Yes. Grandson. Grandson to her. Okay, and there's more than the, yes. And there's then she talks about the three. Yeah. There are three grandsons. That's okay. true. One of these grandsons, especially around, there's something around your grandfather that really lights him up. Wait, there's, oh, something about my dad. Yeah. So when she talks about your dad, I keep seeing a connection to the grandsons and then she talks about the three. And I feel that one of the grandsons brings such joy to your father. Is oh, how your okay. mom is showing it to me. One of my sons visited recently. So maybe that's what she's referring to. 
Yeah. And he went on his own uh, without the two other boys. Yes. Right. Yeah. It just feels like it brings such joy. It, it brought such joy and, uh-huh. and your mom was there. But, but, uh, but you understand that the three, of course, she loves all three and all the grandkids. But I know that there's this, this feeling of this one boy going to your grand or to, you know, to your, to their grandfather. And I just see such joy, such joy, such joy. Mm-hmm. Other questions while I still have her here. Well, this is going to, this might sound like a weird question. Um, my mom and I, we used to talk a lot about what happens after you pass. We used to talk about reincarnation mm-hmm. and I was just wondering like if she has anything to say about, I've just been really curious ever since she passed about what her experience on the other side has been. Cause it was something that we talked about a lot, not only when she was, ill, but just generally speaking, it was a common topic of conversation in our house that you didn't need to fear death and that your spirit goes on and about reincarnation. So I was just curious whether she has anything to share about, you know, what that experience has been. Yeah. Let's see. She certainly didn't feel surprised when she crossed over and it feels like a lot of freedom. I'm wanting to express the complete detachment from the physical form, just like Mm -hmm. she thought she would have. And that feels amazing. I'm, she's aware of her intelligence and ability to come across in thought form. Then she's also showing me that she really wants you to know that she's in the flowers and the plants and the trees Hmm. as well. Might sound odd, but that's how she's giving it to me. And in, and in the air, Hmm. Some of your writing isn't always... Do you see you've done some like a, a writing that's sometimes a bit fantasy as well? Yes. Because she makes me feel like you would understand when she says it's not of this world and the only way for her to express it would sound like some of the fantastical writing you do. It's not based in... It seemingly isn't based in reality, but you think it up. And so there's an imagination aspect to it. And it's in those spaces that she exists. Okay. But she makes me feel you would understand because you create, even though it feels like that's not reality, it's created and therefore it is reality. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And it, and it feels like some of those thought forms of how to express where she is now have yet to be created. Okay. But f- Free is really the word I keep coming back to when I connect to the energy of what she's trying to offer me here. Okay. Feels like a lot of freedom for her. I think in in total, I see 15, 16 years of a body that she feels very confined by. Mm. Do, do, do you see this? Feels like a long time that I have issues or I'm aware of not feeling mm-hmm. well. Uh-huh. Long, long time, not just a few years. Like I feel years and years and years of not feeling well or um, an awareness of the body and just a full on freedom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any last questions for her? Mm, Not really. Thank you so much, Jillian. All right. Thank you so much, Flora. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. And uh, you'll have the recording to listen back to. and, um, and, And sometimes that helps to catch some things that you didn't the first time. So appreciate it. All right. Great. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. You too. I'm looking forward to reconnecting with Jillian today. I think her connection to her mom was 
really beautiful and I hope that it helped her um, feel a continued connection. Jillian herself felt incredibly spiritual and so I think our discussion will really be an interesting one. Well, hey, Jillian, so good to connect with you again. Hi, Fleur. It's nice Hi. to see you again, too. Yes, yes. How have you been? I've been good. I've been doing, I've been doing really well. Uh, that's good to hear. So tell me a little bit, because I know that as I do these readings, I get a version of the story. I get a one-sided conversation, so to speak. And I would just love to hear from you kind of your story coming into the podcast, coming into the reading. I would love to hear just what brought you here, how you got to this point. Sure. So there were a couple of things that were weighing heavily on me after my mom passed. And she passed in April of 2020. It was the pandemic had just kind of gotten underway. And it was kind of a crazy situation in which to be kind of helping my mother out of the world because we had no help. It was me and my dad. My sister, you had you had said my mother was saying there were two of us and she was waiting on the third. So it, it was myself and my dad who were there with her. And it was my sister who couldn't come because she was in Sedona. And my mom and dad lived in South Carolina. And because the pandemic had just started and people were all locked down and there wasn't travel happening, she couldn't come. And that's a hard situation. Yeah, it was really hard. And also, though my mom was in hospice care, and the hospice that we worked with was absolutely fantastic. I mean, they were so compassionate and amazing. Because of the pandemic, and at that time, we knew so, so little about COVID and how it was transmitted. It was terrifying. And so we really didn't want people coming into the house much. So, so many of the things that a nurse or an aide would normally do my father and I did. And it was brutal. Like I had no idea how physical it is to care for someone who's dying, just picking her up. My mother was tiny. She was four foot nine. Wow. And towards the end, because of the brain tumor, she couldn't swallow. So she completely stopped eating and drinking. And so she was withering away. And even so it was really hard to pick her up and move her. And get her bed settled the way it needed to be. And, and so we were physically exhausted. We were emotionally yeah. wrung out. It's hard enough, I think, for actual nurses and aides to do this work for people they don't have an emotional connection to. But this being my mother, you know, I just kept thinking of it as my gift to her to do this wow. for her. Yes, of course. But and, still, difficult. Even if it is a gift, and even if you do it with the right heart and mindset, that's still a very heavy experience. It's brutal. I mean, there are things that you have to do for a person when they're incapacitated. You said something about her saying there was about a week and a half where she was very confused and kind of going in and out. And the whole sort of time that I was with her that she was dying was two weeks. Okay. And so that's probably quite accurate. Like, the beginning, she was really with us because she was still eating and drinking at that point. Right. Um, but then as she was unable to take food and water, the mental confusion became worse. And of course, she had these brain tumors that were, her cancer had spread. And so um, 
all of this was causing confusion for her. And the stuff that you relayed about her feeling pressure in her head is consistent with um, two months before that, I, I came down to visit her when she was having radiation on those tumors. And they had her take steroids to clear fluid from her brain. So the fluid that you were feeling and seeing through her, that is, that was all there. And, and, and we knew that was there. I had a lot of guilt, even though I worked my ass off taking care of her and it was so hard. And yeah, I was sitting by her side most of the time, holding her hand exactly as you described, sitting on her right side there. And that whole thing, when you kept saying about the physical form doesn't matter, I've often said to friends, like when I tell them that she donated her body to science, I say, you know, she, my mom was like a Klingon. She felt like the physical body what didn't have any meaning once the spirit was gone from it. Like, Interesting. you know, yeah. my whole life, we never visited a grave ever. She hated cemeteries. She said, you know, my mother or my grandparents, they're not there in the ground. They're not there. Why would we visit there? Their spirit is flown. Like they're all around us. You know, she didn't really, she, her whole life did say she wanted to um, donate her body to science. Uh, amazing. I remember talking about it when we were teenagers, like that she and my dad were going to donate their bodies to science. And now I asked my dad if he still wants to do that. And he's not even sure. So it was clearly her thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was meaningful to her. So yeah. I wanted to come on the podcast in part because I think I felt that heaviness and that yeah. sense of like, as much as I did for her in the end, it felt like it wasn't enough. Like it could never be enough. I felt a lot lighter after talking with you, um, feeling like, you know, she was reassuring me that she felt well cared for. Um, The other thing that had been bothering me was my mom and I had a complicated relationship, actually. And the parts where you talked about tough love growing up and like, she felt like she wasn't there for me. She was a performer. She was a stage performer. It was very interesting to me that she did not tell you that. Yeah. Because throughout her life, this was her whole identity that she had this gift of this amazing operatic voice. And so there were a lot of, anyway, my, my grandmother through her, my mother's career kind of lived vicariously through her and was kind of a stage mother. And my mother resented it. So when she raised me and my sister, she was very like, she stood back. She gave us a tremendous amount of space. And we felt she went over the deep end and gave us too much space. Interesting. Yeah. And, it, and so what, Towards the end of her life, when she shortly before we didn't know she had brain tumors yet, she might not have even had them yet, but the cancer had metastasized from her breasts to all her bones through her whole body. And so towards the end in the last that was 2017 that it spread that we knew it spread to her bones. So for the last few years, I got much closer to her. So when she died, there was this feeling of like, I finally got the mother I wanted and now she's gone. Like we only got three years of that and it was devastating and the grief was crushing. And I, I was so shocked by the grief. Mm. I didn't know that grief could feel like that because I'd never lost anyone that close to me. It was like this conflicted sense of throughout my childhood, feeling like my mother didn't quite live up to what I wanted. But then towards the end, we kind of developed this relationship I had always wanted. And then she was taken from me. And so those were the things that led me to you. And 
it's interesting because I I felt in the energy of the relationship between the two of you that it was really lovely. And perhaps she placed a lot of emphasis on those last three years as well. And in the same way that you're saying you really appreciated that time, maybe she didn't realize how much she was going to like being that close to you until those last three years, right? And the joy of being able to do it for, for at least some time in the entirety of your lifetime. What a gift. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you wanted, there were a number of realizations I had later about things that when you said them didn't entirely make sense to me that later made sense. Sure. I don't know if you to go through yeah, it. yeah, we can chat. Absolutely. One of the things you said was that my dad, when I asked about my dad and his grief, you said his, his grief is twofold. He's gr- grieving two people. And it completely slipped my mind at that moment. But I mean, just a month or two ago, his next door neighbor died. And he was really, he really liked him. And my dad doesn't really have a lot of friends and he, he's very lonely. And so his neighbor was someone that he spent time chatting with outside. They shared lawn equipment. And when he died, my dad, I was there, I was staying with my dad at the time when we got the news that he had died. And my dad was so shocked and he's just had a really hard time coming to terms with it. He doesn't have that many friends. And this guy was a friend to him. And and I think on top right? of the loss of my mother, it, it was just a lot. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think sometimes we don't give enough credit to our neighbors, the people we see every day, the people that are comforts of pillars of familiarity. So that's really, yeah. that's that would make a lot of sense. Absolutely. But I think that's exactly what you were hitting on the twofold grief and the whole thing about her teaching was very interesting to me because to me and my sister, my mom was this diva. And in fact, her, her license plate, her name was Dina and her license plate said diva D. (laughs) And so we saw her as someone who was always on stage. Like we felt like no one knew the real Dina that we saw behind the scenes who in part was the person that she described to you, like criticizing my dad, being really hard on him. Bulldozing was the word you used that she said she could bulldoze him. She was really hard on him and he he tried so hard. His whole life was in service to her because he so admired her talent and so loved her that he felt like he would do anything so that she could pursue her career because her career was not self-supporting. It wasn't enough really for her to live on. So he supported her financially and and he also helped her with her career. And it was interesting to me, she never mentioned it and that she mentioned her teaching, which came much later in life when she was, you know, more or less retired from performing and she was had a vocal studio in her basement and she would teach these students. And I think she was saying, look, I didn't get any recognition for that. I did it from love and it meant something to me. And I think she was also trying to connect with the fact that I'm a teacher. And so it was a connection between us. Like she was saying, you know how it feels to be a teacher. I was a teacher too. And it gave me so much satisfaction. And I want you to know that, like that she, that she wasn't all about the diva. Right. She also did this work that, you know, was teaching people and it, and it didn't give her a claim. It just was joy. And I know that's true. And I saw her, she invited me down to her studio once to see one of her students perform. She said, oh, will you come down and see her perform this song? And she's been working so hard on it. And I saw how my mom like gave her such kind 
feedback and was so loving and supportive. And I thought, wow, she's a really good teacher. You know, I love that. And what a, what an incredible thing that she carries that to the other side, maybe versus the other life dream that she had the other life. Yeah. I think she wanted me to know that. Like, I think it was, she wanted me to understand how important the teaching was to her. Yeah. Um, And towards the end, you know, like she had told her students, like, I'm going to stop teaching for a while because, you know, I haven't been well, I need to take a break or whatever. But I don't think she never like closed her studio. It was like, there was always this optimism. My, My mom was the eternal optimist. And she always, she kept saying, I just want to get over this damn cancer and get on with my life. She had so many things going on. She had so much she wanted to achieve to do. She had all these projects. She always had a million. She's a Gemini, classic Gemini, like multi-talented, millions of projects going at once. As a fellow Gemini, I understand <laughs> the never-ending desire to do all the projects. Yeah. Yeah. And she was good at everything. Well, and it's it's so interesting to me that she had so many passions and desires and she made it so clear in the reading. She's still busy. Like she's still working. You know, she's still got students. She's still involved. Mm-hmm. She seemed like a real powerhouse to me. So I, yes. I really enjoyed connecting with her because she definitely had a personality to yes. her. Yes. Very dynamic, and people would always call her the little lady with the big voice. She was tiny, but she had this powerful voice that would come out of her, and her personality was the same way. And she always said what she thought. You know, no, you said in the beginning she's a no BS kind of lady, and she would just say it right out, and that is absolutely true. That's how she was. Yeah, she's like, here I am, Jillian. Do you have any other questions after the the reading? Is there anything else that? is on your heart or your mind. Not at all. It's been a real pleasure, Fleur. I mean, it was just after listening to your podcast and following you on Instagram for so long, I was, it was just such an honor and a pleasure to be able to work with you directly. And, and I, I just feel like you're, you're the best medium I've seen out there. And I just, I really so appreciate you're taking the time to help me and bring my mom through because it really, it really was reassuring for me. I felt so much lighter afterwards and I feel like, I don't know. It's helping me let go of her a little more. Um, Good. That's the most I could possibly hope for. And it's just my my greatest honor to get to make the connection. So I really, really appreciate that. Thanks for yeah. thanks for so sharing sweet. her with me. She's a firecracker and I loved it. So <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed meeting her. <laughs> I bet. It was my pleasure. And thank you. Thank you for listening with an open heart. Thank you for hearing these stories. We heal in community. Thank you for being part of this one. If you yourself would like to open up your spiritual gifts, because we all have them, I run mentorship courses about every month or two, and you can find all information on my website, mediumflare.com. I also have a book out called Moving Beyond. You can also find information on where to purchase on my website. And there's an audiobook if you like this voice of mine. Thanks again for being here. If you feel called to leave a review, it means everything. This podcast is completely free of cost for all participants, and it is such a help when we get a review. So thank you in advance. Thank you for being here, and see you next time. Thank you for listening to Moving Beyond, the podcast. If you haven't yet left us a rating or a review, we would greatly appreciate it as it helps new listeners to find the show. 
Moving Beyond is an independent podcast produced by Fleur LeSink and Elizabeth Mihalich, with additional support from the team at 2020 Intuition, Heloise, Teresa, and Madalena. Original music composed and produced by Lucas Tuttle. To learn more about Medium Fleur and her book, Moving Beyond, that teaches you how to access your intuition, psychic ability, and spirit connection, please visit www.mediumfleur.com. The link is in the show notes. If you're interested in being on a future episode of Moving Beyond, please send Elizabeth an email at podcasts at mediumfleur.com. P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at M-E-D-I-U-M-F-L-E-U-R dot com. We would like to thank everyone who has shared their loved ones, their stories, and their heartbreak with us, making this podcast possible.